Well, good morning, good morning, Grace Chapel. It is great to be with you. Um, it is nice to be here in our Lexington campus and to see uh, some of my Lexington friends that I haven't seen in a bit. Uh, great to be with those of you who are watching online, wherever you are, and uh, for those of you who are at our campuses, uh, we're glad that you are here this morning. Uh, my name is Tom Van Antwerp, and I'm the campus pastor out at the Wilmington campus. So uh, it is great to be here with you, though. Today, I would love to invite you to join me on a journey that we are about to take. Now, it is not a journey of a a lot of miles, but it's going to be one that is going to take us through the next several weeks together. And I believe it's a journey that's going to stretch us beyond our comfortable places, and it's actually going to help shape us as as a community, as congregations, and as shape us as we come together in smaller groups to ask God, who is it that you want us to be? Now, along the way, I think that we are going to see some absolutely remarkable things if we keep our eyes open. That's what happens on a journey, right? If you look around, keep your head up, you start to see some incredible things. And I also believe that that we're going to experience the presence of God in a very significant way if we keep our hearts open to to see what he might have for us in the days ahead. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need a little bit of a change of pace. And a journey provides that for us. Uh, We get a chance to step out of our our ordinary patterns and uh, to see some new things. Uh, And in this case, to to try some new things, to take on some new practices that just breaks things up a little bit and leads us in, uh, in, in new ways, new ways of thinking and new practices. And so for these next few weeks, I want us to experience this together uh, as a church. Now, every great journey requires a bit of preparation. And this week is, is prep week for us as we're making our way forward. Anybody who's ever taken a trip has gotten, uh, sort of gotten out their maps and sat at the table and decided, where is it that we want to go? You, you lay out the maps, you, you get your calendar out, you figure out where is our destination, how long will it take us to get there, what are the things we're going to see along the way. And then, of course, you, you take out your pocketbook, your, your finances, you look to see how much money you've got. And then you start asking the questions, whose house can we stay at? as we make our way to where we're going. And then once you're done with all of that, you sit around the table with whoever it is that you're traveling with. Maybe it's your friends, maybe a group of friends or or your family, and you look at each other and say, let's do this. We are on our way. So today is preparation time. Next week, we're going to get ourselves going. I'm reminded of the beginning scenes of... uh, of the movie The Hobbit. Remember, Bilbo Baggins is making his way through an ordinary day there in the Shire. He's getting ready, going to bed, and all of a sudden he gets knocks on the door. One by one, unexpected visitors show up. They tumble into his place there in the Shire. These dwarves from Middle Earth. And then afterwards, uh, later still, in comes Gandalf, the wise wizard. And and they sit around and they, they share a meal. And, and these dwarves of Middle-earth start to share a story over the firelight and candlelight in the living room. They start to, to sing of their history, and they start to share about where their journey would take them. And they turn to Bilbo Baggins, and they invite him to join them on this unexpected 
journey. Well, the journey that I'd like to invite you on these weeks is one whose origins are ancient as well. But I believe it's one that has particular relevance for those of us who are living right here in the uh, metro Boston in the 21st century, in 2020. And it's a journey that we're taking as a whole church, and it's a journey that we'll be taking in small groups together um, as well. We're calling them blessed groups. And the journey will lead us to explore an important question. And the question is this. Are you ready? How do we live in this world as people who want to show God's heart to the people around us? How do we live in this world as people who really want to show God's heart to the people around us? Now, for the last eight weeks, we've been, we've been in this series called Googling God, where we've been sort of wrestling with the kinds of questions that, that the world is asking about God. We've uncovered uh, a lot of skepticism about God and criticism about religion and a lack of trust in institutions and in Christianity and in Christians even. And there are some times when all of these negative thoughts tend to accumulate, both in our society and sometimes in our own experience. And I found that there are times that these thoughts and feelings and questions not only restrict people from exploring faith, a faith in a God who really is good, whose heart is for people, but they also have the tendency sometimes to inhibit people who are followers of Jesus, from living into the fullness of what God wants us to do. I don't know if it's that way for you, but, but there are times when I sense that that's happening to me. It's one of the reasons why I, I have so loved the naming of these questions during this last series and addressing them one at a time. And uh, it's like Pastor Brian and the others who have been speaking into the series. It's like, you know what happens after a, after a storm? To the, to the drains on the side of the road, the, the, the branches and the leaves and, and the muck all sort of collects and, and blocks the drains. And, and all this standing water uh, remains there on the street and in the yards. And in that standing water grows all kinds of, you know, nastiness, right? We, we're in New England. We know this happens. And it's like those questions have been doing that. And one at a time, Pastor Brian has taken a pole and his big boots and waded into the middle of it and has started to clear that drain to let that water f flow freely. And, and that's what it's felt like in my spirit. But then it leads me to ask the question, so what? Now that we've addressed these, now that, now that some of these things are unhindering us a bit, what is it that we are to do? And how is it that we're to live and so for the next several weeks, I'd like us to consider that we can either live as people in this world who reinforce these negative attitudes and negative questions in, in our to our neighbors and those that we live and work with, or we can live as people who demonstrate the real heart of God for people, the real character of Christ, which helps people to see God more clearly and see his mission in this world as a really, really good thing. So that's the essence of the journey that we're about to take. I want to take you back to where this, where this journey begins. It actually starts about 4,000 years ago. Um, and it starts with an encounter between the God of the universe and a simple human being whose name is Abram. Between God and Abram. 
Let's take a look back in Genesis chapter 12. God turns to Abraham and he says, Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now, this story is an origin story for the journey that we're about to take in the next few weeks. Abraham's Abraham's family came from this place called Ur. This is where he was born. Uh, He was born at the the confluence of the Tigris and the Euphrates River, right there uh, in the Persian Gulf in a country that today we call Iraq. That's and God meets him in this place. And uh, the people of Abram's day were really living far, far from God and far from his ideal for humanity. The fact is, it had been a long time since Eden. And since that point, things had really spiraled downward as a result of people's selfishness and pride and hatred and, and sin. All of this had seeped into the world. And the beauty of of Eden was but a a distant memory for them at the time. And it seemed like God had stepped back from the world, had stepped back from humanity, uh, but he hadn't. He was just waiting for the right time, for the right moment, to start moving forward with his redemptive work. And it's at this point with Abram where he invites Abram to journey with him. He invites Abram to be a part of his his radical plan for bringing humanity back to himself and for bringing people back to themselves, back to who it was that he created them to be. And so what's fascinating about this, this invitation that God offers to Abram is that five times in this simple message, God uses a word that, that starts to express what his heart is, both for Abram and for the entire world. He uses the word bless. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Five times he uses this word bless. Now, I know that that word bless or blessing doesn't carry the same weight that it did back then when God spoke to Abram in, in, in that moment. Uh, maybe it's because the way that we use the word bless in our colloquial time, right? When do you hear the word bless? It's usually if somebody sneezes, right? I was at Market Basket the other day. I was in the fresh produce aisle, and I sneezed. And from the peanut butter aisle, I hear somebody yell over, bless you, I didn't even know who it was. But I, I thought, bless, oh, there's the word, right there in Market Basket. Or, or we see it sort of scrolling across people's news feeds, right? Um, my life is blessed, right? Something good must have happened. Or, or I am too blessed to be stressed, Right? I see that. Usually what that means is either my life is a little out of control right now or I am so stressed, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and then my fr- southern friends tell me that 
Uh, if you ever have someone say to you, well, bless your little heart. <laughs> bless your little heart. That is definitely not a good thing, right? Usually it's said like a, a dad who's like trying to juggle a bunch of kids walking, you know, down the mall aisle or whatever, and, and women sit back and say, well, bless his little heart. What that means is, you know, a little bit of a sort of criticism with a little disdain and a lot of... Uh, a, a, a lot of sort of condescension seeping in there. So the word bless, we sort of miss the meaning a bit. But the Hebrew meaning of the word is rich and significant. The Hebrew wording, re, meaning of the word bless is to bestow favor, to bring honor to someone, to give to someone out of the abundance and richness of your resource to act on behalf of another. That's a rich, meaningful word. The remarkable thing is that the root of the Hebrew word barak is actually to kneel, to kneel. And uh, in the religious world of the ancient time, it is usually in the context of, uh, of religion, it is the people who bless, bestow favor, act on behalf of their gods right? As a matter of fact, they lived their life making sacrifice after sacrifice, doing one thing after another, trying to demonstrate their obedience to the gods so that the gods, the gods might be happy. And they lived their life to, to, to satisfy the needs of the gods. And so it's remarkable that here God turns this on its head, where God blesses Abraham. He blesses Abram. He bestows his favor, his richness, his goodness on him. And it turns out this little exchange between God and Abram becomes the pattern for the way that God interacts with humanity, the way that he interacts with the world. In his greatness, he bends his knee towards humanity. He brings favor to the people that he calls to himself. It's remarkable. So much so that one of the ancient writers, uh, one of the prophets said this. They said, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Amazing thing that the blessing flows from God to humanity. And the fact is, as God does good for Abram, you know the ways in which he he blesses him. You know the story. Abram and his wife were without a child, without an heir. God gives them a child. He provides for Abram a people. He, he brings rich provision to Abram uh, in, in his life. And then he brings him to a land that he's promising. But the greatest blessing, the greatest bestowal of favor from God to Abram is none of these things. The greatest, the greatest offer to Abram the greatest blessing that he receives is God's presence with Abram throughout this journey and throughout his life. He's reminded of this, Abram is, when God meets him in a vision. The Lord came to Abram in a vision in Genesis 15. He said, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. So God is Abram's greatest blessing himself. 
But there's the second movement that happens in the story too, because it's not just that God blesses Abram, but God allows Abram through him to, to bless the nations, to bless all peoples. Now, this too was remarkable, turned things on its head, because in the ancient world, gods were tribal gods, and, and, and they brought favor to your tribe, to your family, to your family of families, your people. As a matter of fact, that's what the gods were often meant for, to bring strength and favor to, to a society, to a tribe. And hopefully, at the expense of those outside of your tribe. That's the way the world worked back in ancient times. But God, at the very beginning of his plan, makes clear to his people that he doesn't want them to simply receive blessing, but he wants them to receive blessing that they might bless the world. God's people were never intended to be buckets that received and held on to the beautiful favor of God. He's always called us to be conduits through which his goodness and his favor might extend to all nations. All nations would be blessed through you. And so this simple exchange between God and Abram becomes the imprint of God's mission that becomes the invitation to every single one of us that we would be blessed, that we might be a blessing. Now, what does that mean for us today? And what does it mean for us in this journey that we're about to take together? We are in the midst of a season at Grace where we're thinking and looking towards the future, asking God, Lord, you have brought us to this place. We are now a church that meets in multiple campuses. Um, we had a vision that, that you have blessed us with, but what is it that you have for us moving forward in the future? And so a lot of the pastors and a lot of leaders at Grace are, are starting to ask those questions. And they're really important. And as I've been thinking about this myself, as one of, one of our pastors, I've been thinking a little bit more carefully about our mission statement at Grace Chapel. Now, we don't often talk about our mission statement, but I wonder, just by a show of hands, don't be embarrassed, how many of you know what our mission statement is? Just throw up your hands. I see hands. All right, now... I'm going to play a little game because not all of you know it. Um, it is like, I'll be Pat, Pat Sajak and the tech team will be Vanna White. All right? Here is our mission statement with a few blanks. Blank, blank with blank for the blank of the blank. All right. Now, how many people does that help? Put your hands up now if you know what the mission statement is. And what if I told you the first words were discovering life Discovering life. I hear it. I hear it coming out. Let's say it together. Let's hit the next slide. Discovering life with God for the good of the world. That is Grace Chapel's mission statement. Discovering life with God for the good of the world. What I want you to see is that this statement is simply a mere echo of the statement that God was making to Abraham. Let's take it in parts. That first part is discovering life with God. Discovering life with God. Like, like Abraham, we discovered that our greatest blessing is that God is with us. Um, some of you know Dallas Willard. He is uh, Willard. He's one of the, uh, our generation's greatest teachers and thinkers around sort of what it means to live a life of, of faith and, and, and how we do that together. Uh, Dallas Willard passed away a few years ago, but he was just incredibly thoughtful and gracious. And I had a chance 
uh, one time in California to sit and listen to him uh, teach at a conference that I was at. And one of the things he said struck me as incredibly profound. He said, when you boil it all down, when you boil down the essence of the Christian life, when you get to his very heart, he said, Christian life is simply the with God life. The with God life. Just think about that for a minute. The life of a follower of Jesus is a life of one who lives with God. That's what it means. I think the first time I heard that phrase, I thought, yes, that's what I have experienced through all of my life. And of course, the with God life is set in distinction to the without God life. And we all know people who live a with God life, and we all know people who live a without God life. And the question is, who do we want to be? And how do we want to experience this life? I just think a with God life suggests that there is a God of the universe who invites us into a relationship with him as a friend. And suddenly, we wake up in the morning and our ordinary days are filled with greater significance and meaning. Our our relationships have more meaning than just the here and now. They actually transcend with deeper significance Our work becomes rooted and connected in the character and the nature of God in ways that that it wouldn't without God. That that he's creator and creative and, and, and he is productive and so can we be. And the struggles that we now face, we don't enter into them alone, whether it's loss or breakup of relationship or trying to figure out where to go. We do that not without God, but with God. And our loving has this capacity that only comes from God. And our grieving is not without hope. This with God life that we make our way through every day made available to us because God is a with us God. The ultimate promise to Abram, the fulfillment of that is Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. And when we remember and embrace the with God life, we really begin to live, don't we? As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do in the morning when I make my way to wake up my girls, our nine-year-old ladies are here, um, I like to bend over them and whisper in their ear, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That is a reminder to them and it's a reminder to me that God has given us this day. He invites us to enter into it with him and we can live this with God life. I remember as a young college student who was trying to figure out what do I want my life to be marked by? What do I want my life to be lived for? I, I recognize, and if you're a college student, you know this is the case. You can choose whatever you want to choose to put at the center of your life and live for that. It is your decision. It's your life. First time you start to realize that. And uh, I wanted to know, am I going to live with myself at the center of my life or am I going to invite God to sit at the center of my life? You know what convinced me to let God lead? Most poignantly and pointedly, it wasn't someone persuading me of the logic of the gospel. It wasn't someone who was arguing with me about the truth claims of God and the Christian faith. Honestly, at the heart of it, it was looking at the people that I knew and seeing these people who had this with God experience 
and seeing the richness of their life, the beauty of their relationships, the peace that they had as they made their way through stages of life, the joy, the kindness that that extended to others around them, the kindness they, they extended to me. And I knew I wanted to live the kind of life that they were living. That was what persuaded me. That's what convinced me. And of course, I knew people who are living a without God life. And there were some wonderful good friends and rich people, uh, richness of of character uh, of those who are living that without God life. But there was something missing that I sensed. I sensed that they were trying to set the tack of their life in a particular direction, whether it was for success or money or or recognition or, or, or pleasure, whatever it was, and that they were leaning into that direction. And I knew that there was something missing in that. Not that their lives weren't good, but there was something missing. The second aspect of our mission statement, the the first part of our mission, rather, is to link ourselves to discover life, discover life with God, and to discover this with God life. And we all know that we want that. And if we've experienced, we know the richness of it. But the second aspect of our mission statement is this for the good of the world, for the good of the world. That there's something about this with God life that if we live it well, it is lived for the good of the world. As a matter of fact, it's endemic to God's very call from the start. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You'll discover life with me and you'll live life for the good of the world. I believe that during these next few weeks, This is what we're going to lean into. Discovering how our life with God is lived out for the good of the world. Because what we're hoping is that people will discover what is at the very heart of God. And we live during this time where, as we said, people are very skeptical and cynical about God and about religion and about church and Christianity and all of that keeps us from leaning into this first aspect of talking to people about life with God. The fact is, some of that skepticism and doubt stems from, you know, both our, both church history as well as our own failure to live it out, right? The fact is, throughout the rise of Western civilization, historically, there's become, there's come this linkage between the power of the crown and the power of the church, And over the course, since 300 AD until present, the rise of of Western civilization, oftentimes Christianity, which has been in the seat of privilege and power, has oftentimes leveraged their place of influence. And, And they've done that for good things in many instances, but sometimes they've done it in very harmful ways. Um, And there have been some fallout from this cultural movement where people now in an age, especially in an age where there's a distrust of institutions and where there is a more critical view of history through hindsight, when we start to talk about life with God or the goodness of Jesus, all people hear are echoes of the past. And all they think is that Christians are seeking to grab worldly power. And what we need to do is start to live differently and distinctively. And I believe this is not a new path, by the way. 
it is rooted back in the person of Jesus who, who shows us that living a life of relinquishing power, of letting go of the places of influence and allowing love to lead, authentic love in deeper and genuine relationships. Jesus lived his life to bless others, to put them first, to offer himself for them. So instead of trying to convert people or to argue people into faith in Jesus, we've got, we've got an opportunity to lead in a different way, to lead in a way that demonstrates that God is for the good of the world. God is for the good of the world. I believe if we live this way, live to bless others, we might just find ourselves helping people see more pointedly and more beautifully the heart of God. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Uh, in his book, The Missional Entrepreneur, uh, Mark Russell researched 12 businesses, business as mission groups. Now, a business as mission group is a group that, that sees their business as a form of ministry. And uh, he looked at 12 of them who made their way to set up business in Thailand. And uh, six of the companies focused primarily on developing businesses that really enhanced the local economy, that sought to do good for the community that they were planted in. Um, they, they would gladly discuss their faith as they made their way doing this, but but conversion was not the primary goal of their work. Their primary goal was lifting uh, the economic status of the area around them. And uh, Russell calls these businesses the blessers. The other six viewed conversion as their primary priority. Uh, they were much more concerned with the spiritual destiny of the local residents than they were with their economic improvement. And Russell called these six businesses converters. Now, there is nothing wrong with desiring people to come into this life-giving relationship with God. But these two businesses show different, different ways to approach living out their business in the world. What he discovered was that the blessers did much more social good, employed more people, raised local income, uh, provided people with goods and services in that community, in the village, that's not surprising. That's what they were there to do. But here's what was surprising. The blessers actually led more people to Christ than did the converting businesses by a rate of 48 to 1. 48 to 1. Now, why is that? Why is there this disparity? It's because blessers demonstrated authentic love by providing and improving the lives of the people around them which actually made their new friends trust them with their spiritual questions as well because they saw the good that was being done in their community. And this is, this is the journey I'd like us to take because when we live generously and genuinely to bless others, to, 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 to provide favor for others, to do, to act in behalf of others, then we'll find people understanding more deeply that the heart of God is actually for them. So for the next five weeks, we are going to uncover some very practical ways to be a blessing to the people around us, to bless our neighbors, our community, our, our city, and ultimately to bless our world. We're going to do that in, in a very practical way as we make our way through five simple 
practices. These are called missional practices. And uh, the word bless is actually an acronym. And each of the first letters of, uh, each of the letters of that word uh, offer a, a different practice. The first week, we're going to be talking about the B, which is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. That's our first practice. We begin with prayer. Uh, the fact is, we not only live out our mission, but we discover our mission when we pray. Prayer leads us to, to an idea of who it is that we're called to bless, or where it is, or, or around what issue it is that God is turning our attention and leading us to do good. But it also is the way that we continue by asking God, what is it that you want me to do about this thing or this need or in this person's life? So we begin with prayer. That's where it begins. The next letter is L, listen with care. Listen with care. The way Jesus lived his life and went about his ministry, Jesus asked more questions than anyone else. And you know what happened after he asked questions? He stepped back and he listened to people. I wonder if we as a church, if we as people who are followers of Jesus ought to be listening more than we are talking. If we ought to start not by telling, but start by hearing. This is the way relationships are built. This is how relationships are established and grow. And so we'll be talking during week two about what it means to listen to others around us. There's a progression here, you'll notice. Uh, week three is my favorite week. Uh, it is eat, eat together. Who doesn't love a good meal, right? Um, or, you know, you think about it, three times a day we come to a table of some sort or we, we eat. 21 times during a week we have an opportunity to in, include someone into one of those meals or a couple of those meals. And as we listen over food, good things happen. Relationships are strengthened. The next week, S, is to serve in love. When we listen, when we eat, when we hear, we start to discover what are the, what are the hard parts for someone's life? What are the challenges that they're, that they're facing? And, and we might find a way where we can step up or we with some friends might be able to step up and come to serve in that moment. Um, and then finally, the last S, and notice that it's the last letter, is share your story. Share your story. Because once you've established yourself in relationship with people, once you've heard stories, once you begin to serve, then people begin to ask you about your life. And you've built trust and you've enabled an opportunity to share to happen. It'll just flow out of all that has gone before. We're calling these simple practice practices, missional practices. And in this journey that we're taking, we're taking it together. One of the greatest things that we do on a journey, on a trip, is to sort of debrief our experiences with family or friends at the end of the day. And so what's going to happen as we make our way through this journey is we're going to be able to be with folks in our blessed groups and talk about how this is going. What did we discover? What is God telling us? What are we finding out? How are we serving? How are we holding each other to these things and lifting each other up as we make our our way through being a blessing because God has richly blessed us. If you haven't yet joined one of the groups at any of our campuses, you can do that after the service. You can do it on the app. You can do it on our website, grace.org bless. You can get there and find some people to journey together with as we make our way through. 
You see, what God wants to do is to bestow his favor on others. And you know how he's going to do that? Through us, through you, and through me. I want to end just by taking us to a couple of verses that Paul, one of the early founders of the Christian movement, wrote to a letter, uh, wrote in a letter to a church in Galatia. Uh, and this, this letter, these words remind the early church that their story is linked directly to the story of Abram. And, and it's true for us today as well. Listen. He says this, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abram. Scripture looked forward to this time when God would justify the Gentiles by faith, meaning that he would bless not just Jewish people and descendants of Abraham, but Gentiles, all of us. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abram. All nations will be blessed through you. And so we are recipients of that story. Our mission statement is simply an echo of that story. And our lives in these next weeks are an opportunity for us to live into that story as we journey together. We are the children of Abraham. We are the carriers of God's mission through him to us and through us to our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our coworkers, the people we live and work with and go to school with. Because here's the deal. What God began in Ur gets fulfilled in us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness. <clears throat> we thank you for your love that is extended to us uh, throughout generations and generations. Lord, I thank you that you, you chose to see fit to come alongside of uh, probably that, that, uh, that man whose life uh, he thought was probably nearing the end, and yet you breathed new life into him and offered him a new start and a new vision and a new journey. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we take these steps in the weeks to come. Help us to be together. Help us to connect with one another. Help us to look each other in the eye and say we are in this together. That We are experiencing life with God, and we're doing that in a way that demonstrates good for the world. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.